Hello, welcome to episode two of the Mercury Sessions, a part of the Temp Fans podcast. I'm Ewan. I'm Nick. And hopefully you know that because you listened to part one. If you haven't listened to part one, we recommend you go and do so now um, because obviously it's all very well organized and you know, we know what we're doing and it streams through and everything and shit. Um, find us on Spotify if you can, then you can listen to the Spotify playlist, which incorporates podcast and music together. Um, as you know from the first episode, which of course you listened to, we have a group of people from around the world all talking about the various albums on the Mercury Prize 2020 shortlist. Some of those uh, voices from episode one you'll hear again today, but we're going to come back at the end and have a proper discussion about this year's shortlist, and we hope we'll see you then. Sounds good. Okay, so welcome back. Um, obviously, this is we're, we're now in day two of the Mercury Sessions. We got through six albums in part one. Hopefully, you went back and listened to all of those and maybe discovered or uh, investigated further. Um, we're going to continue today with the same group we ended up with yesterday. Quick recap of who we got. We've got Nick. Hello. We've got Chris. Hello. We've got Brennan. Hey. Yep. And we've got Emily. Hello. And we're going to just go straight to Emily. We're going straight in uh, with not much preamble. And we ended up with pop yesterday. We finished on some pop and we're going back in with pop. Um, this is Georgia. And Emily, can you take it from here? Sure. So um, Georgia is a singer and a producer from London. Um, she also happens to be the daughter of Neil Barnes from Left Field. Um, she trained as a drummer and she played on a number of other people's records before she released her own self-produced de debut album in, I believe, 2015. So the record that we're talking about today for this is Seeking Thrills. It's her second album. Um, it's primarily a synth pop album, uh, though it combines uh, some influences from a few different eras. There are some parts of it that make me think of uh, some early Madonna. There are other um, places where you hear some influences from Chicago House or Detroit Techno. The vocal style, I would say, is, is really kind of indebted to Robin. That's what I hear, at least. Kind of on a thematic level, it's really, as an album, it's really kind of an ode to the dance floor, which here Georgia kind of frames as um, this kind of place of self-expression and inclusion and sort of self-release. So a lot of the songs on the, the album are kind of odes to that sort of euphoria of the dance floor and kind of an attempt to, to capture that. In terms of why it was shortlisted, I think, for one thing, I do actually think it's a pretty, it's a pretty enjoyable and pretty like thoughtfully put together pop album. Um, I think it doesn't feel, you know, manufactured. Um, and George is someone who's clearly kind of literate in terms of, of music history, especially history of electronic music. And in particular, I think someone like her is kind of an appealing choice for this kind of shortlist because she's someone who is easy to frame as a kind of auteur, even though she's making music in the pop genre. So she not only sings on the album, but she also wrote and produced the record. Um, and, you know, there's this narrative uh, with pop albums and with pop stars sometimes where people want to say, oh, like, it's a Kylie Minogue uh, record, but she's singing on the album, but she didn't really write most of the tracks. She didn't produce it. So, you know, how much is she really um, responsible for? 
No, whatever you think of like that line of criticism, it's a criticism that I think Georgia isn't really vulnerable to because um, she's clearly got an artistic vision on this album. I think that for me though was the sticking point a little. I mean, I've never really been this. I've, I've never been a dance floor man. I mean, there was a period in the early nineties, maybe, but generally that I, I'd veer away from uh, that sort of that sort of side. It seems incredibly well put together. Mm-hmm. It seems like she knows what she's doing, and she's a student of music. And sometimes that works, and sometimes you go, "Oh, that's." a very well put together album. And then I just ended up going, eh, yeah. And I, my notes were Robin and meh. Mm-hmm. That's literally all I could write down after well, listening to it. <laughs> I think, so I think there's a lot of Robin in it. And so to me, this is, um, I guess the reservation that I have is that I, I think in particular her vocals are kind of, they're not bad. Um, they're not like the type of vocals that like, you know, give me a twitch or something like that, but they're just, they're a little on the bland side. And I, so I think, I really like a lot of the production. I really like kind of the synth textures that she gets, but there's there's not a ton interesting going on with the vocals and that makes it really easy to sort of brush the album off kind of quickly. Oh, pro- t- totally. And it, you know, I'm well aware that my, it's probably my own baggage coming from a non-pop side. Um, Chris, you, you ended yesterday's pod uh, talking about Dua Lipa, uh, another one of the pop albums on this year's shortlist. How did this one compare for you? Well, I think that um, it took me a while. It definitely took me a while. I've been listening to it today, actually, again, to compare for us chatting now. And it definitely grew on me. But I think it's interesting after what Emily just said, because it made me think about that, the idea of like what it's trying to evoke, right? So this is kind of, you know, we talked yesterday with Dua Lipa's idea of, you know, what's it called? Future nostalgia, that's what it's called. And like you say, this album is definitely trying to get you to remember, I don't know, sweaty dance floors and kind of big nights and all this kind of thing. But that's definitely something that I've never done. Like I've been to indie clubs, but I've never been to a club, I've never been to a rave or anything like that. And I don't know whether that was kind of my reservation. So the kind of atmosphere that she's trying to get for some people would be a total connector. You'd get it straight away, you'd understand that kind of, um, I mean, someone like Jack Burial tries to do the same thing, you know, the post club come down or whatever, where she's definitely in the middle of it. And it definitely took me a while to get that. I think that was the challenge with it. But I definitely think there are some amazing songs in it. The one about, is it called Awake on the Dance Floor or Coming Up on the Dance Floor or something? Uh, it's single. I think it's it's a single, it's About Work the Dance Floor, which is, I think is an incredibly yeah. awkward title. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the song, when she sings it, it sounds like she's singing Creeping Up on the Dance Floor, which makes it even more weird as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's the challenge. It's kind of like, with all of this, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about yesterday, about this idea of like, um, harking back to something you remember there's something quite warm in that isn't it thinking about pavement thinking about um, all that kind of thing with this one i didn't have that historic connection to the idea of what she was trying to get but it took me a while and i think i think i half like it now that's my position now i like it i think that it's an impressive album in the sense that you know that i stuck with it i think that says something that you went back and tried to like it and not, not tried to like it but gave it a second chance mm. i suppose Brent, brendan what did you think of this you're sitting there, you're sitting there mull- looking like you're mulling things over. Oh, that's my natural look. You know, I'm always thinking. Um, yeah, I was trying to come up with a list of like the best uh, singers, bands named after a U.S. state. And I came up with a, a, my top three. I have um, Kansas at number one. 
I have Alabama at number two, and I have Florida at number three. I think yeah. Georgia might be – I'm not sure really where she'd be. She'd probably be after Texas somewhere. Um, it was okay. I liked her little videos that she made in the uh, the Spotify. If you watch – if you open up the, the clips on your phone, there's like these little videos that she made. They were kind of charming. Um, the Word Salad song about work the dance floor was okay. Uh, I think she probably shot herself in the foot by putting – the song in, uh, you know, coming up with a good title, putting it into Google Translate, choosing Swahili, taking that, choosing another <laughs> language, putting it back into English and saying, well, that's the title. Because realistically, you, you want to have, have a song that people are going to, you know, remember the name by. And, and the fact that it took so many people to uh, have to, you know, pull this one up. And I mean, about work, the dance floor, I mean, is that even a diagrammable sentence? I don't think so. Especially, it's puzzling. I feel like it's especially puzzling because I think that's the lead, one of the lead singles off of the, the album. Well, yeah. It's and remarkable I mean, that the title is so awkward. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> think that the, the record label will be like, Georgia, honey, you know, come on. Can we at least uh, let's have another pass of those lyrics again, you know? Or can um, we just remove one of the words from the title? Yeah, work the dance floor. Work the dance floor. Fine. Or, about, or about the dance floor. Or about the dance floor would be fine. You know, about work would be an interesting song, you know? About work and then parentheses the dance floor. Now we're back to pavement where it's just like word salad as a song title. It all goes back to pavement. But um, actually, in terms of like music, it was uh, enjoyable. It reminded me a lot of like early Madonna. It was, you know, it was fine. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, 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 again, I feel like George is one of these people like, like sports team, like Moses, you know, happy to be nominated. Her profile has been raised. She won because of that. Um, I, I, I think this has a snowball's chance in hell of winning. I agree. Um, I don't really know okay. who this is for. It's not for me. Um, my daughter, Chris. who loves pop music, who loves Dua Lipa, was like, what the fuck do I do with this, Dad? You know? I'm like, I don't know. So um, so there's that. She liked fishing. I think I mentioned that already from uh, the sports team thing. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 one thing I would say Final words to Chris. Every year there's an album, right? That sounds like you would, I think I've said this somewhere else, but you would play at a dinner party in South London. And it's the kind of album where someone, it might be someone who's on like, a, um, works in the city, but wants something just a little bit edgy to listen to and they have a dinner party. So a previous examples would be like Alt-J, Everything Everything, that kind of oh, thing. Head. I feel like, whoa, whoa. Fashion, that, I kind that, of what? think the first Alt-J record's entertaining. The wheels I come up quickly, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah, so there's yeah. nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a dinner party album. It's just it's the people who have that, that dinner party. You in? That's the problem. You've got to think about who's at the party. Do you want them to be there? What are they putting on the jukebox or the stereo? I don't own a jukebox. To be totally clear on that one, <laughs> but I think that's this. That, well, that would be cool. like, Is it? Is it the vegan potluck dinner? Is it the you know, probably the, no, we're having a dinner party when, in fact, we're just going to get fucking shit-faced, you know, and food's irrelevant party. So, I mean, that's going to be a whole different record. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. This is probably the um, record you put on 
you know, the, the birthday party for your kids. No, the this room, is a like, record. Hey, I'm the cool dad. I'm listening That's to it. Georgia, you know. And then yeah. they go, Dad, what's this? We don't listen to this anymore. Yeah. And you're like, oh. What's this shit, Dad? Come on. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah. we did digress slightly, um, but there's some good thoughts about that, particularly how Georgia... Um, very well produced, very well put together. Definitely is a student of music and very accomplished, which turns us to the final album of this session, which is, well, which I'm going to go through, which was Anna Meredith. Um, I knew nothing about Anna Meredith at all. And when the list came out, the album, the album title Fibs had jumped out at me because I'd heard it was good, it was interesting, but I genuinely could not have told you what genre it was, or anything like that. And I still don't know whether I really like it or whether it's, huh? Um, I mean, background, Anna Meredith, she's an, she's an MBE, which usually I wouldn't care about, but it still feels important. She's younger than me and she's got, she, she's been honored for her, her, her contribution to music. Um, she's an accomplished composer of classical pieces, acoustic and, and latterly electronic. Uh, she, was a, she did a stint as a composer in residence for the Scottish Symphony Orchestra. She has created and performed and become famous almost for works at Last Night on the Proms. And she finally released a debut album to, to much acclaim in 2016. Um, she sort of takes the uh, approach of composition and conducting classical pieces and brings in an electronic stint as, as well as some more classical instruments. Um, the album, it starts at 120 miles an hour and just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. The first track just doesn't seem to slow down. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, the band And So I Watch You From Afar, this Irish guitar math rock band with this sort of building intricate layer upon layer in their opening stuff. It's ballsy, it's bold, it's not like anything else in this year's Mercury, which I think might be why it's there. Um, as a whole, the album sort of veers. Um, there's some really interesting stuff. Um, there's some bits that seem like she's trying to just do dance music, but again, manufactured and put together rather than the dance floor feels. Um, but then there's some sort of seemingly simple, almost childlike melodies and pop songs, um, Killjoy or Ribbons, that take a, a beautiful little melody and build it and repeat it and add little things. Uh, she reminded me of the band's Tongue, uh, D'Entel, a um, bit of Steve Wright, some Vincent. There's lots of really good stuff going on. And every time I've listened to it over the last few weeks, I found more. I still don't know my opinion on it, I'm not sure it'll, I'll know my opinion on it for another year. I think it genuinely could win. I think Charlie XXC, XXC, I always get the thing, is going to win. But I think she's going to come damn, 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 damn close. Um, what did everyone else think about it? I mean, I thought it, was, I thought it was crazy and just stood out from everything else on the shortlist. Nick? I, mean, I initially lumped it in with the other pop albums because on the first day that the uh, shortlist was announced, I made the mistake of pretty much listening to all of it back to back. And um, it was listed, um, it was off the BBC news site and it was listed alphabetically. And it just happened that the kind of four poppiest albums just happened in sequence right at the beginning. And I think I just, I, I just couldn't process it all because it's so far out of my normal listening. And 
I kind of thought they all sounded a little bit samey. And then over the course of the immersion, we listened to them individually. And, you know, I learned a little bit of background about each one. And I can't even believe I thought that. They're so different. Each album, even though distinctly pop albums in their own way, are very, very different. And this one in particular, because it's actually quite a cerebral album, it's, um, it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from, say, Dua Lipa. Mm. Um, but like you, Ewan, I kind of came away from it still feeling a little, a little cold. And I think that's maybe because it's a, a kind of an intellectual exercise and maybe maybe I could find a way into it. I felt like it could work in a kind of installation in a gallery or something, but just listening to it in isolation, I, I, I didn't really, I don't know, there's so much going on. I think, I mean, I either need more time with it or it's just not for me. I, I really don't know. Emily, what did you think of uh, Anna Meredith? I, I mean, I, I think like some others, it took me, I had to listen to it a few times before I, I, it, it, there was a lot to to process, but I I think I really like it actually. Like I think it might actually be one of my favorites of of this year's nominees altogether. Um, with that said, I, I I still feel like I haven't totally processed it yet. But I liked that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like intricacy to it, right? And there's a lot of strangeness as well, which I I liked. Cool, um, Chris. Um, we're getting to the point that everyone's like, I've got something to say, I'm not sure. Either people are stunned by silence or it's getting late in the day. So I'm just going to start prompting people and pointing at I, um, Chris, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> this is the one that I knew the most before going into the Mercury list because I, I really, really liked her already. So I've seen her live. I remember the day it came out, I was really excited about it. Um, I just think it's a great album. I think that she obviously just... I don't know, when you can start getting into that kind of slightly more intricate experimental end of things, you can kind of lose that warmth. But I think that she, like when I saw her live, she did a cover of Daniel Beddingfield's Gotta Get Through This. That's what she did as the encore. So like on a tuba and, and all this kind of thing. And she did a medley of songs that it was Gotta Get Through This. I think there's an other song that she did. And um, I just think that she obviously just loves music like i don't mean that in a kind of sense that she just like any 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 reference is a goal that's you know like anything she'll go for and i think that um i just think she's great and actually i find it interesting that response to it the idea that you were saying nick of it being quite cold because i remember the first time i heard it, i just thought it was so uh like jubilant like i think paramore the track paramore right near the end not only one of the heaviest things i've ever heard but i think it's like one of my favorite songs last year i just thought it's I just think it's like a true definition of heavy. Do you know what I mean? Like a, not like a Grateful Dead fan or anything, but you know, it's kind of like that sort of thing, just really, I just think, I think she's great. And I think also as well that she, you made reference to that she um, did a thing with the Scottish Symphony Orchestra. That was the first time I'd ever heard a whole piece of classical music all the way through. So she did um, a really good version of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. So again, people should check that out. It's amazing, like it's just, um, yeah, she seems great. I think she seems great. I think the album's great. And I, um, did, I, I did find the Tiny Desk uh, concerts, the NPL one, while I was no, researching uh, this yeah. piece, which was astounding. And it's just, you know, four people standing in a room, one young kid with a giant tuba to go, and there is something heavy and magical about brass instruments where you don't expect brass, expect brass instruments to be. Brendan. You got any final thoughts? Anything to add on Anna Meredith? 
Uh, man, if, if art's a window to the soul, this lady's cuckoo bananas. You know, that first song is crazy. Um, I nearly drove off the road when I first heard it. I was like, what is wrong here? It, it, it sort of, I have a question and it's sort of a rhetorical one because it's art and I understand that there's not a really right way to do it. But I do have a question. Like, I wonder how they decide this is done. Because, I mean, it sounded so put together, but at the same token, kind of arbitrary. I mean, it definitely was a progression, but it seems so, I mean, it, it, was, it was changing, but it wasn't changing. And then it was, it, then it like, got- Are they adding extra bits and going, oh no, one more bit. Oh yeah, no, a little bit like, more. You know, like when I found out like the Moses Boyd record was all, him and then he had his friends like flesh it out a bit i i couldn't believe it because it sounded so organic this is like the opposite of organic this is like a crazy uh abstract art painting mm -hmm. you know and i guess there's another, there's another thing too like how did jackson pollock go you know what we're done i can't put another piece on here so uh -huh. it was it's it's sort of uh and i and, and again i don't think there's an answer to it but i want to ask the question because that's what was going through my mind when i was listening to this it was like whoa where do, i mean how you know i mean i know there's like way weirder music out there yeah. i mean i've heard stuff that sounds like skipping cds and shit and just like okay whatever but this seemed you know intentionally obtuse well i feel like it's Maybe. it's interesting because there's a combination of um really unusual and like really dense sounds and like some parts but they're very avant-garde but then there's also a real then it will snap into this really melodic thing yeah. for a moment, yeah. you know, like it kind of pulls you in, in different yeah, directions. I'm thinking live must be, must be quite something. I mean, I just saw that video that you shared, you and the, uh, the Tiny Desk concert, and um, it certainly changed my perception of the record, I guess, because with the record, you just sort of hear this kind of big constructive mess, and then you actually see people performing it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's another... I did find it interesting how... Because like on the first album, there's that track Nautilus, if anyone's heard it, which got quite, it's been used in a lot of films. And it's got this technique in it, which it's got a name, but I can't remember. So you start playing an ascending scale, and then you start the scale again before you reach that one. So it constantly sounds like it's getting higher pitched, constantly. Yeah, it's constantly random. Now it's objectively quite annoying, but <laughs> she just has a technique where she can just, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about, she just, can add that flourish to it. And I agree with you, Brendan. It's one of those albums I listen to, and like, how do you do this? Like, how do you go into a room, or how do you, and come up with that? I just think she has a touch that I just don't know. And again, it's You know it what this you part needs? We need the arpeggiator again, you know? And set it up to like, all the way. I mean, like. I, but, I think, but I think it goes back to, if, if you think about some classical music, where here comes the horns, here come the strings, here come the woodwind, here comes the brass. I've, I've run out of parts of orchestra. Um, to me, a lot of classical music sounds like we're gonna throw this side and now you're gonna play this bit louder and now this is coming in on top and this is coming in on top. Mm -hmm. And the electronic aspect has been missing from that, I guess. And I guess what she's doing is marrying that classical side of, okay, here comes a bow, 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 with, full-on sort of elect electronica or synthesizers as, as a genuine part of a modern orchestra, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, like, um, you got to push things forward. So good on her, but 
this might, I might not be the one who's able to, you know, talk that about That is one thing I would say about the album as well, actually. So we've talked a lot about this idea of like, it reminds me of things from the past. So we talked, you know, we can go at length through those were And again, Dua Lipa is kind of looking, harking back to the 80s mm-hmm. and Georgia's the 90s. But it feels like with this one, I don't know where you would say she's looking to. She's just basically like just pulling from everywhere. And you kind of, it sounds like it was dropped from space. That's what I feel like. It's, you couldn't see it. There's album on the shortlist you could say that about. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't, you can say that she's got inspiration. So you can hear 18 Musicians by Steve Reich in there. You can hear that kind of more metal. You can hear that punk thing. But she just seems to come up with something that doesn't feel you don't immediately go, that sounds like someone. You say it, it's, yeah. it feels like it's influenced by someone. Um, but yeah, I think that's really impressive in 2020, in 2020 sorry, not 2021. I, I think you're right. I think that's totally it. I, I mean, I do think she stands out from a lot of the other people on this year's list purely because of that individuality, that, that lack of time. Um, okay, so we've done a few more albums. We've had a few more opinions. Um, we're now going to go to the playlist um, of Georgia and Anna Meredith. When we come back, we will have different people in the room. And Nick and I will go on again about time zones and how we organize people, etc., etc. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Brendan. See you after this, Nick. <laughs>